Section 6 of The Secret of Casa Grande by Helen Randolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mary Scano. Joanne's Predicament. What are you going to do? called Florence. You'll be sick if you stay up there in the hot sun all the afternoon. Well, I don't see anything else to do till the workmen leave, answered Joanne. If you'll get me that parasol, it won't be so bad. There's a nice breeze, but the sun's terrific. How in the world do you think we can get the parasol up to you? asked Peggy. Do you think we can fly up there with it? Silly! Just get my rope. It's in my trunk. And throw one end up to me and tie the parasol on the other. Then I'll pull it up. That sounds easy enough, Peggy admitted. I'll run and get it right away. She was starting away when Florence put in. Wait a minute. I'll go with you. Felipe might be at the door, and we mustn't let him see the rope. It might rouse his curiosity. Chuck him! Chloroform him! called down Joanne crisply. Anything! Only get the parasol! Quick! I'll be done to a turn if I stay up here much longer without it. The two girls hurried on to their room. As soon as Peggy had taken the coil of rope from the trunk, she slipped it inside the parasol, saying, This is the way we brought the rope into the house without Felipe seeing it, so we can do it again. As they were entering the hall, Felipe stopped them. Have you found Miss Anita? He asked, using the Spanish word for Joanne's second name, Annette, rather than the longer name of Josephine. Yes, she's here, Florence answered quickly, hurrying off. On reaching the balcony, Peggy whistled softly several times, and Joanne's head appeared over the ledge. Got it? Fine. Pitch it up to me, she called in a loud whisper, as Florence put her finger to her lips and motioned toward the office. Straightening out the rope, Peggy tossed one end of it into the air. Up it sailed, then fell dangling over the balcony rail. <laughs> it's a good thing I had hold of the other end, <laughs> she laughed. This grass rope is so stiff, it won't go straight. It would if you'd throw it straight, scoffed Joanne. Coil it up again. I believe it'll be easier to throw that way and pitch it straight up. Obeying directions, Peggy tried again, only to fail once more. Seeing how far Joanne was leaning over the wall in her effort to catch the rope, she exclaimed, Oh, Joe, don't lean over so far. You make me nervous. Well, it looks as if I'll have to hang by my feet to catch anything you throw. If you just knew how hot it was up here, don't fuss. I'll try again, but this balcony is so narrow that I can't swing my arm. Now, ready? Here goes. Up sailed the coil of rope straight into Joanne's outstretched arms. Whew. It's a good thing I didn't miss again, gasped Peggy. That was work, believe me. Quickly, she fastened the parasol to the lower end of the rope, and Joanne drew it up over the edge of the roof. Perched on the wall of the roof, high above the city, her feet dangling, and the parasol over her head, Joanne presented a queer, almost ridiculous appearance. But to Florence and Peggy, her position seemed anything but amusing. So dangerous did it look that Peggy cried out in alarm, Joe, for goodness sake, get off that wall. Haven't you got into enough trouble for one day? Oh, this would be great, 
Joanne called back. If the wall weren't so hot, there's a gorgeous view and a delightful breeze. What more could you ask for? She drifted gaily into one of the popular songs of the day. Just picture a penthouse way up in the sky with hinges on chimneys for clouds to go by. How can you joke about anything so serious? Asked Florence in a troubled voice. Oh, here comes Dad with a patient. We'll have to leave. I'll give you the signal as soon as we come back, Peggy called softly. Since the office opened with full-length double doors directly onto the balcony, making it almost a part of the room, they hurried toward the door. Before they reached it, however, they met Dr. Blackwell with a tall, dignified man who, with true Mexican courtesy, bowed politely and begged their pardon for having disturbed them. As soon as the two girls were inside the bedroom, Florence asked anxiously, "'What are we going to do about Joanne?' I'm afraid she'll be sick if she stays up there much longer in that hot sun. I am too, Peggy replied. But I don't know what on earth we can do. Isn't there any other possible way except the scaffold that she can get down? Florence shook her head. Every few minutes, they stopped talking long enough to peep out to see if the coast were clear. After what seemed a long time to them, they heard the voices in the hall, and to their relief, they saw Dr. Blackwell and his patient disappear down the stairs. In a few minutes, Felipe followed with the bag. Except for Juana, we have the house to ourselves now, Florence remarked as they hurried into the office. On reaching the balcony, Peggy gave the signal to Joanne. I thought you'd never come back, Joanne called down softly, almost before the sound had died away. And I'm dying to tell you something. You don't have to whisper now. Florence put in. Dad and Felipe have gone out, and we can stay here and talk to you without fear of interruption. Fine. Luck seems to be with me at last, replied Joanne. While I've been up here alone, I've done some serious thinking, and I have a wonderful plan worked out. It's about time you did some serious thinking, returned Peggy. I'm sorry I got in this mess, but if you can only get me the things I need... I'll be standing down there beside you in a jiffy, Peggy grinned up at her. If it's a sheet for a parachute, I won't get it. Silly, I want an iron bar and a hammer or something heavy. You're not going to drop them on the workmen, are you? queried Florence with a half smile. Joanne laughed. <laughs> I'm really quite harmless, but while I was climbing up here, I noticed that the scaffold was held up in an upright position by pegs driven into the wall. And that gave me an idea. Why can't I drive a peg into this wall and fasten the rope to it, and then let myself down to the balcony? Doesn't that sound simple? Why, yes, it does, Peggy admitted slowly. But where will we find the iron bar and something heavy enough to drive it with? There ought to be a hammer around here somewhere, Florence put in quickly. Come on and we'll see if we can find it and the iron bar. If you can't find an iron bar, called Joanne, maybe I could use an old broom handle if you'd make a point on one end of it. All right, they called as they disappeared into the room. Entering the kitchen, they found Juana huddled in a chair by the fireplace, asleep. Slipping by her, Florence took a small hammer out of a cupboard and handed it to Peggy, saying in a low voice, Now... If we can find an iron bar, we'll be fixed. Peggy smiled and whispered, 
Why, Florence, this is only a little tack hammer. You couldn't drive anything into a stone wall with this, not in a thousand years. I'm sure that's the only one we have, Florence answered in a troubled voice. You see, since we can't use nails in this house, we seldom have any use for a hammer. Peggy began staring around. I'll look and see what I can find. Shh, warned Florence. Let's not wake Juana if we can help it. Together, they slipped quietly about the room, picking up first one object and then another, only to lay it down again in disgust. At the very moment that Peggy spied something that would do, Juana opened her eyes and asked in Spanish, What is it, Florencita? Do you wish me to make the merienda? Why, no, we don't care for anything to eat now, Florence replied slowly. But we would like to have something to drink. Please go down to the drugstore and get some limeades. She turned to Peggy. I've ordered limeades. I know Joe'd like to have a cold drink. The minute Juana disappeared through the door, Peggy stepped over to the middle section of the fireplace. Here's the very thing, she said. Picking up one of the stones Juana used to set her earthen griddle on when cooking on the fireplace. And look here, she added excitedly. Here's a piece of iron, the very thing we need. Now let's hurry. I know Joe's tired waiting. How silly of me not to think of these things, exclaimed Florence. Juana uses that piece of iron to poke her fire with. Let's hope she doesn't decide to make tortillas any time soon, or she'll miss the stone. Together, they rushed out into the hall, then stopped on catching a glimpse of Felipe at his post just outside the office door. What in the world is he doing back? whispered Peggy as she stopped. Is Dr. Blackwell in his office, do you suppose? Slipping into the dining room, they stared blankly at each other. How could they get the things to Joanne now? I know what we can do, exclaimed Florence, running to the china closet. Put the stone in this plate. She placed the plate on the table. Now, I'll spread the napkin over it. Then it'll look as if you're carrying a plate of sandwiches out on the balcony. I'll hide the piece of iron under my dress like this. Fine, approved Peggy, her lips curving into a wide smile. On entering the hall, Felipe appeared and exclaimed that the El Doctor had sent him back to take the young ladies for a drive, as he would not need the car for one or two hours. I'll ask the girls and let you know, Peggy replied in Spanish, and added, Call me when Juana brings the limeades. Peggy hastened onto the balcony and, resting the plate on the rail, whistled twice. As Joe peeped down from above, she called up gaily, her eyes twinkling. Just see the plates of sandwiches I've brought you. Aren't you hungry? Well, yes, I could enjoy a sandwich, Joan replied, trying to cover her disappointment. But didn't you get any of the other things I asked for? This is all we could find, laughing mischievously, Peggy lifted the napkin. Oh, Peg, you big tease, Joanne exclaimed. I might have known you were up to some mischief. Didn't you bring the piece of iron or a broomstick? Here it is, called Florence, slipping the piece of iron out and holding it up. That's the very thing. But why all the secrecy? Well, Felipe was at the door, so I thought we'd better use this camouflage. I see. I'll let my rope down now. But how in the world are you going to fasten the rock to it, Peggy? I don't know, 
Peggy replied thoughtfully. Even if I tie the rope around it a couple of times, it's likely to fall out, and a stone as large as this is heavy enough to kill anyone if it should hit him on the head. She gave a little sudden start. I know what to do! Spreading the napkin on the floor and placing the stone in the exact center, she picked up the opposite corners of the napkin and tied a tight square knot, then tied another one with the other corners. When she had slipped the rope under both securely, she heard Felipe coming in the office door. She sprang to her feet while office ran into the office to keep him from coming onto the balcony. I'll take the limeades, Felipe, she told him, taking the tray he was carrying. Instead of leaving immediately, he lingered a moment to ask how long it would be before they would be ready to go for a drive. For a few seconds, she hesitated, then replied, I think they'll be ready in about half an hour. Joanne had seemed so sure she could get them. But maybe, if they're not ready by that time, I'll let you know. As soon as he had left the office, Florence hastened back to the balcony. By that time, Joanne had successfully pulled the stone up to the roof and had lowered the rope for the iron bar. The moment she had the piece of iron in her hands, she hopped off the low wall and eagerly set to work. Kneeling on the flat surface of the roof, she held the iron bar firmly against the inside of the wall with her left hand and struck it a heavy blow with the stone. The next instant, the iron bar sprang back, knocking the stone out of her hand and striking her foot a glancing blow. Oh, my foot! she cried in muffled tones, hopping around the roof on the other foot. I can't stop for a little thing like this, she decided shortly, setting resolutely to work again. Less confident of her success, she struck the iron lightly and carefully this time, but without making the slightest impress in the wall. Driving a peg into a stone wall was not the simple thing she had imagined it to be. I know it can be done, and I'm going to do it, she told herself determinedly. If I can only find the seam between the stones, I know I can drive it into the mortar. After slowly chipping the plaster away over a foot or more in diameter, she found an upright seam. Her arms ached from the unusual strain. Her hands and face were covered with grime and plaster dust, and perspiration trickled down her face, streaking it. Nevertheless, she worked on persistently, and at last found the cross seam. Eagerly placing the bar in position, she began driving it into the mortar between the stones. She struck it very carefully at first, then harder and harder. No wonder these houses last forever, she thought. I never saw anything so hard in my life. This one will stand here several centuries more and not show the least signs of wear. With the last effort, she struck the iron several more blows. Then, putting her whole weight on it to test its strength, she heaved a sigh of relief. It did not budge a particle. Fastening the rope securely, she threw the end over the wall. Everything was ready now. While waiting for Florence and Peggy to return with the implements, she had tied several knots in the rope and made two loops near the upper end. And now, lying flat, she peered over the edge of the wall to see if the loops came in exactly the right place, just over the edge of the roof. All set! Here I come! She called joyously to the girls waiting below. Oh, Joe, do be careful. You might fall, urged Florence. 
So intent was Joanne in getting over the edge of the roof that she paid no attention to Florence's warning. Climbing over a wall two feet or more thick was quite a different proposition from getting over a board fence. She could not back off, and the smooth plaster offered a poor fingerhold while she was catching the loops in the rope. Finally, sitting on the edge of the wall, she leaned forward and reached for the upper loop. Grasping the loop firmly with one hand and pressing the fingers of her other hand against the plaster, she stretched her foot toward the other loop. But when within an inch or two of it, she suddenly slipped off the wall. She gasped in terror. Down she dropped. Her arm felt as if it surely would be pulled from its socket as the entire weight of her body jerked on it. Could she hang with one hand? What if the sudden jerk should pull the rope loose from the peg? Desperately, she clung to the loop. Then, regaining her balance, she wrapped her legs around the rope. Slowly, carefully she slipped from knot to knot. Four strong young arms caught her before her feet touched the floor of the balcony. Oh, Joe! Joe! I thought you'd be killed! Sure! cried Florence, tears streaming down her cheeks. I was so frightened! I was so scared I shut my eyes tight to keep from seeing you killed, added Peggy tremulously. I hope that taught you a lesson and you'll be satisfied to stay where you belong after this. Girls, look at the spectators, exclaimed Florence the next moment. In the street, about thirty feet below, several peons had stopped to watch this unusual performance, while others were running to see what was going on. After one hasty glance below, Joanne fled into the office. Can't you do anything here without an audience? She asked a moment later in disgust. Not anything like that, replied Florence. I do hope they leave before Felipe sees them, or he'll have the whole story in a few minutes. Anyway, I'm glad I'm down here. Joanne drew a sigh of relief. I hope I never have to stay so long in such a hot place again. End of Section 6 Recording by Mary Scarnell.